Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Um painfully aware of the intonation that I always take on the way into <laughs> introing. Um yeah, happy new year, new year, everyone. Um happy new year, Mark. Happy New Year, man. I, I can't believe you said to me, I'm gonna intro, and I said I look forward to it, and then that was what you had in the bag right there. Now, the next bit, I'm going to uh, address the fact that we put out some feelers to see what you guys thought of the podcast or what we should be doing or um, what you liked and what you didn't like. Um, so I just wanted to thank everyone for their input and I would invite you all to stick around to see how much of it we actually take to heart. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I yeah some good stuff we we still haven't figured out quite what it is but we were genuinely like it was coming from a place of wondering if anyone cares about this and from a place of us caring about it and wanting to try and maybe do more of the stuff that people care about and less of the stuff that yeah. people don't um but yeah a surprising although it's also probably like a feedback loop type thing where people who already listen to the podcast because of X, Y, or Z are the ones voting on the polls. So maybe polling people that don't yet listen would have been the way to grow. But although an interesting, um, if you we definitely if people are still tuning in, they're not tuning in to hear meta analysis of questions we ask. But an interesting spike being the um the day, the day that we put all the questions out, our listens randomly spiked a whole bunch. Like even though we've not put an episode out since well pre Christmas, so apparently the key to driving the listens is in is incessant poll taking of people who presumably have listened to all the episodes they were going to already. But so what you're telling to... me, what you're telling me is the way to drive engagement of content that we actually really care about is to drive uh, the output of non-related content on social media, no matter what. Yep. You're telling me that we should just put a pointless poll on Instagram every day and it'll bring the people in. I think I, I like to think of people being like, Did I are like they that? full of crap? Hold on. Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> like, my, my absolute favorite, and I won't out anybody for this, my absolute favorite um, cross-section of the answers we got back was when we were trying to figure out the division of like roundup episodes and guest episodes. Um we got one person tell us, well, we got more than one person, but one of the people who told us, I prefer the guest episodes, I can take or leave the roundup. And then on the very next question, it was like, how important do you think the roundup is? And the same person was like, hey, it's appointment listening for me. <laughs> so, well, they, they can't both be true. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess I guess they can, but if you can take it or leave it, it's not. It's only your appointment listening if you've got nothing else to be doing. I'm yeah. sorry. And also, um, you designed the questions, but one of them, one of the answers being like, "Of what do you want to hear more of?" One of the answers being both is like, "Ah, I'm not going to do that." So, yeah. like, <laughs> take your pick. Do you want to hear us or do you want to hear us and someone? Yeah, I threw that out there, assuming nobody would go for it. But I'm I am terrible for this when we do the polls because I like. I try and make the polls funny enough or like engaging enough or thought provoking enough that people will actually interact and not just have like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no for all of them. But then we but don't I've close done, any loops to get any actual real feedback. I've done, I've done it to myself when way back when we did like the, would you, um, would you buy bench units merch? And I put the answers as like, the only options were like, 
three heart eye emojis and three vomiting emojis and then all the people who replied with the vomiting emojis it really hurt my feelings <laughs> i was like well, that's entirely on me <laughs> if i'd have just gone for no probably not i probably wouldn't have been like uh it's really hurtful they threw the vomiting emojis in at the thought yeah and it's like the uh i can't believe we're still talking about this i'm sorry everyone um but also the last question be like who do you prefer me you or someone else and i was like well obviously people are gonna say someone else and they're only joking but if someone says me it's great and i and they mean it and they must love me and if someone says you it's because they wish me nothing but the worst and they want me dead and yeah it's funny how you're like hey i'll take this to heart because i feel like it um but yeah in in summary sorry go ahead i mean that that last one i mainly threw in because i wanted to see if people were sticking around to the end of the other questions and like how many we were losing along the way um i never actually looked at the result of that so i i purposefully was like i'll throw this out there and it can just be a little locked box and we'll never know the answer so i to this day don't know what people chose but if anyone other than me won that poll then congratulations and if i won that poll then that's really just to be expected or not. We'll never know. Uh, yeah, well, obviously the, the the main one was other guest hosts, which is just hurtful at this point. But um, but yeah, I, to summarize, I'm not sure what we can actually take from it, but we plan to maybe no. have a think of what's worth listening for you guys and what isn't. Um, but yeah, talking about things that I'm not sure how much to take from. Um, Malaga 61, Bilbao 75. Yeah, uh, so- we're gonna we'll let people know at this point obviously we are planning on tweaking episode structure and stuff um the roundup will stick around in some form or fashion we've just kind of come to the realization that watching 10 11 12 games um a weekend to then try and juice an hour's content out of is a massive amount of prep a lot of which isn't hugely rewarded um and a lot of the games it's, it's quite not that it's just like watching a 85 40 to have something to think yeah. about um like yeah and we're aware that not everybody cares about all you know 12 games on any given week so we're going to try and pick the gems um going forward and we're going to try a new structure today we don't know if this will be the first of a glorious new era of the roundup or the last of the you know what we've been doing for a few years now so we're going to rattle off the games that we're not going to pay huge attention to so number one Getafe 36, Mercia 90, shout out to Mercia. Illunion 95, Madiba 63. So they're the two from Spain that we're not going to cover in any great detail. If we jump to Germany, we got Hanover 76, Zwickau 50. Shout out to Hanover, by the way, because their two Aussies who are still on their roster are at the AOZ qualifiers, which we'll talk about in a bit. And CJ Grogan has left the team for reasons we're unaware of. So a completely German up and down Hanover squad getting the win there. Shout out to them. Um, Thuringia 87, Munsterland 49, and then um, Munich Iguanas 52, Skywheelers 40. So they're the games that we're just going to give you the results on. We can publish stats or whatever if people care a great deal more. Um, but we're going to stick to the relative cream of the crop today. And speaking of cream of the crop, you guys made a big signing at the start of the season and he hung around for a weekend or two and now he's back. Yeah, it's funny in kind of my interactions with Pat Anderson, who you're obviously referring to. Um, 
I, I obviously just like to talk a lot. So there's a point where I'm like, hey, I've probably told you. It feels like because you were here in September and you're back now, I feel like I've known you for four or five months. And I've probably told you about four or five months worth of anecdotes that you don't care about. So, um, but yeah, pretty good. <laughs> um, there's a point in the first quarter that I didn't feel like we were playing that well and it kind of didn't matter, um, which was exciting. Um I, I, I sound like that's our plan going forward. Hopefully it isn't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've kind of only had two full weeks of training as a full group. Um, so kind of job number one was get everyone worked back in. And we wanted, there were certain lineups we wanted to have a look at, but uh, David Morris's chair broke on the flight on the way down. So, or was broken by handling stuff uh so uh yeah we had one lineup for 40 minutes basically we had like subs that we could go under points or this that and the other but it did lead me to something that i obviously knew was a possibility but never really thought about how funny it was um we had to play 40 minutes with mariana perez on the floor to stay under points we basically had to go four bigs and mariana and I kind of realized, and I never thought about this, if you go, obviously, if you go with a female one on the floor, you're playing um, over big time, but they they play as um, a minus 0.5. So if she filed out, she'd be off the floor, but you'd be over points with four players. <laughs> and I've never <laughs> seen this happen in a wheelchair game. I'm sure it has plenty of times, uh, but that's really funny to me that we'd lose a player and bump up over points and we'd have to have a real think about where we went from there but yeah we didn't have a we didn't have anywhere else to go uh points wise so we kind of just had to figure it out and lost a chance to work on some other stuff but yeah um malaga gave us some real trouble for the majority of the game but we got to i think we got to a point where it was about 10 um and didn't really let it go from there um they pretty much tied two quarters against us. They, uh, well, lost the second quarter by one, tied the last quarter, but the other two quarters, we were able to sort of pull it away. Um, yeah, I sat and watched most of it because of the broken chair that I just referenced, but um, <laughs> it was like, terrible when I went on the floor. It was awful. You say I sat and watched most of it because of the broken chair as if the reason you didn't play was because you were meant to be using David's chair. <laughs> no, it was a we have one lineup for these guys. I know. Type um, but yeah, and then like I also came on the floor and was just the only person that was in the minus. So like, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Pat with 26, 8, and 8, if I'm reading this correctly, which I am. Um, yeah. Pat with 26, 8, and 8. Papi with 25 uh, and 4. Asier with 18, 9, and 8. Um, yeah, that'll get you most of the way there. It will. I obviously, um, Pat Anderson plugging into your team is not a notoriously difficult um, fit, shall we say? And it's not like it's his very first game um, with you guys. I thought your offense looked perfectly good. I've never seen Asia shoot as many catch and shoot shots. It was utterly bizarre to see him shooting off of just a pass and an open yeah. look. Like, He's never a really happened. good, um, like free throw line catch and shoot 
shooter. Like he's just a pretty did, did you any did you at any point explain to Asier that he himself was in the role that he put Yannick in for about three or four years there? No, I'd actually love to see him cross from the left wing, yeah. like and do that thing that Lowe generally does in the Bilbao team because it'd be really funny to me. But like if he ends up on the left side of the floor, he's staying there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no uh but yeah, man. Um defensively yeah. keeping a good Malaga team to 60 was uh it felt pretty good considering I feel like we can't keep teams below 75. Yeah, well, recently, which is, yeah, promising, but we kept Kyle fairly quiet. Like, I think he made his first two-pointer, like, start of the fourth, end of the third. Yeah, um, I think um, you obviously gave up a big game to Abdi. Um, Abdi had 17 on 8 of 11 shooting. Which is just nuts. Also, I spent the last week before this game um, at camp with him, and he also shot about... 75% I would say so <laughs> like just for a full week so I kind of knew it was coming yeah I think um, Abdi getting as many shots off as he did was kind of a symptom of trying to take Kyle away because you guys had Mariana jump the ball a lot and then push the ball into the four bigs that you guys had out there uh, so Abdi did get a lot of swing passes and then it was like a lot of two on one screens and just chase like hell to see if you can get there and yeah and not wanting to give up enough inside either because sandoval's been killing teams recently well i say recently since he came to malaga since Um, he came to spain (laughs) yes he had 30 in the first game i ever played in spain but yes yeah i do remember that um but yeah i thought you guys given that you given that you had two outside shooters to shut down and not only really one defender who's like a natural, hey, you have to jump to shoot. Like, I don't think any of your bigs other than Pat, who you don't really want to send chasing the ball all over the show. Um, you've not got the guys with that lineup that you would have with like you and David to kind of shut down shooters on multiple sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something to look at going forward. Um I mean, the fact that you're able to keep them outside, even with Mariana playing 40 minutes, is encouraging, considering you'll have Galatasaray to worry about in a few weeks. Yes, um, very worried. Maybe not quite the standard of Galatasaray in terms of inside dominance, but it's at least an element of blueprint. Uh, yeah. It might sound like we're getting ahead of ourselves there, but Euro Cup, wrap, you know, preliminary round for Champs Cup is what, three weeks away at this point? Three weeks away. Well, no like two and a half like we have no game this weekend Grand Canaria next weekend Champions Cup sure like um, we're, we're there basically but yeah I think it was a it was good because I don't know being able to work ourselves back in against a good team but not feeling like we missed an opportunity by not quite being ready for one of the two teams above us in the league was a kind of a good spot to be in like I don't know say I'm not going to name one of the teams at the bottom of the league but um you know, you get Pat here and you have three games before Champions Cup and one of them's against the team that you beat by 40. There's kind of, yeah. I don't know how much work you get done. I don't know how much you learn from that. So, no, no, you're yeah, right. it was interesting. Um, yeah. I think uh, only other point on the kind of lineup things is Malaga played a handful of bench guys. They really weren't able to put you guys in any kind of bind with their additional optionality, um, they played nine guys to your... I mean, you guys played seven, you played five minutes, a man who played ten minutes off the bench. So 
Malaga had the chance to throw some different looks, and I don't think any of them really stuck. Um, yeah, yeah. So I thought, I thought they potentially could have caught you on that, but also if one of your lineups you're stuck with for forty minutes involves Pat Anderson, you you might be able to cover some gaps at this point. Yeah, once we kind of get used to playing with each other, I think we are going to be pretty good. But uh, yeah. we'll we'll see. Obviously. Um, very funny thing that happened in this game. I don't know if you caught it, but there was one point where Pat was on three fouls in the sort of middle of the second quarter. I think the third one was a bad call. I don't remember the other two being particularly bad. I just don't remember them. Um, and there was kind of a, a point of like pointed at each ref. And I think it was like, oh, you've given me one and you've given me one and now you've given me one. All right. Uh, which I, made me laugh. I didn't see that. That's great. I think that's what that was, but that made me that made me laugh from the bench. But yeah, no, there was a little bit of like at the first quarter. I don't think we were we were kind of just felt like we hadn't all seen each other, and like even the guys that are there hadn't seen each other in three weeks. Sure. Um, so yeah, working in different guys. Stat to keep track of. Pat was the recipient according to this stat sheet, which I think might be on the low side. Here. Pat was on the receiving end of six fouls. Yes. Does that number go up or down as the year progresses? Up. Uh, he also, I'd say there was more than that, but he's pretty good at like pushing past somebody in transition with the ball in his hands and kind of just making sure you catch him. He's pretty good at drawing them. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly um, intrigued to know how Malaga as a team committed 18 fouls and yet Bilbao as a team only received 17. I would like to know what, what was on the receiving end of the 18th foul. Coaching technical. Does that go on the stats? I don't think it does. Yeah, it must do. Right. I don't know. That would be that would be the I just like the yeah. idea. I don't know if it does, but that would explain it. That would kind of close the circle, wouldn't it? Yeah. If I, if anyone's got a better slash more amusing explanation, let us know because I, I would like it to be that it was just like someone rolling into a ref and the ref being like, I'll show you. Yeah. Um should we move on? Uh yes. Cool. All right. By the late 59, Joventut 54. Um, I I don't know why I expected by the late to beat Joventut by more than they did, but at least they beat them. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I don't know. I think I just kind of grouped by the lead into one of those like mid table yeah, yeah. teams, and they are certainly not Mercia, Gran Canaria, or Malaga, despite the evidence. Um, but yeah, yeah, even you look at this like very efficient Yalmer, very efficient Adrian Perez, but I, yeah, I just like, and I Juven, Juven dude also aren't the worst sort of newly promoted team or one yeah. of the more new promoted teams that have been around in my time with the Spanish. We talk about this a lot, like the lower down teams are better than they used to be, but. Yeah, this was a slow game. I think that's the thing as well. If you're better than someone, I wonder, like, yeah, if you have more place. possessions, not ridiculously, but if you have more possessions, does the disparity show? But if this game goes to mid fifties possessions per team, not total. Um, oh god, yeah, but yeah, I mean, um, it's an interesting one. We we wondered aloud a few times on this um, when Roddy Dagerman was showing up because his name kept appearing and disappearing from the stat sheets um, surrounded by zeros as the weeks went by. Um, so he's arrived, he had eight points on three of 11 shooting, but at the same time, uh, Ami Reza Amadi, who was a bit of a shot in the arm for the Vidalid offense, um, 
when he arrived kind of mid first half of the season. He is at the AOZs with Iran, as is Hadi Azar, whose name is actually on the stat sheet, which hasn't been up to this point. So I think must be coming name, back post tournament. People's name must appear on the stat sheet as the like the closer they get to making their debut. Um, is their name appearing on the stat sheet like three games before they show up? The glass smashing is that Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance music I hear of wheelchair uh, basketball. If it's it three weeks, it would be more like the Undertaker's entrance music where he took like half an the hour. Chime. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought also shout out to Amirez Ahmadi when Japan put that press on and he just single handedly burned the entire Japanese defense. I've never seen, I can't recall the last person I saw do that. And I certainly wasn't expecting him to be the next person I saw do it. Yeah. But, even, even, Iranian guys who play provided the lead. He wouldn't have been the top of my list. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, if you look at like via the lead, you look at that and you go, hold on, plug Hadiazar back into here. Um, you might might run into some problems just on a kind of like Hadiazar is a guy that can just have 40 and surprise a team. Um, but he is the second best Iranian wheelchair basketball player in the world. Um, that's a take. I don't know if it's hot or cold. It's it's mid. Uh, but what I would say is just like every time you watch Vida Lead at the start of the year, and it's like, are they lacking creation or like it looks a little stagnant, a little slow? And then every time they add someone who can like shoot a bit, pass a bit, dribble a bit, you're like, okay, this is, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it very much looks like a team that was built to have Hadi Azar in it before he showed up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which is, I don't know, like if you just then run into. I don't know, like that's and Filipski's a better basketball player, I would say, than Hadezar, but if you like just take Fifi out of there. Yeah. Like Albacetti will they have Phil. Um or like the next guy up, the next guy up. But yeah, I don't know if you can go to Vida Lead and take the guy that's meant to take twenty five shots a game and have the ball in his hands all the time and then survive. So, some teams are built to withstand it, some teams aren't. <laughs> yes. That's um but yeah, but, yeah, the, we're talking about all of this. They won the game. They beat they the dude. Yeah. Um, Mendel with 17, Adrian Perez with 16 on 8 of 11 and 7 of 12 shooting, respectively. Um, and they were able to establish themselves inside despite not having anybody really as a substantial outside threat. This one felt like between Dagamin and... Um, Mendes in stretches they probably hit about one outside shot maybe like every four minutes of game time and it was just enough to make the defense worry about it on subsequent possessions yeah. I think if there had been a couple more misses sprinkled in along the way uh, the, and it's not like there's a shortage of them in the first place but had there been had there been a couple extra here and there that had made some you know streaks of missing four or five in a row I wonder if the Juventus defense would have just been like, hey, we'll just let these guys shoot until proven otherwise. You'll just pack it in and see where we end up. Yeah. It would have worked. Like they only got to 59. If you have a reasonable offensive game on the other side of the floor, you're probably okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Juventus getting 19 from Jose Leap and 16 from Ben Leach, who's now playing a good chunk more minutes now that Roberto Mena has done his typical um, mid season shift of teams. Yeah, he's playing a good few more minutes and also has recently started up an online coaching business. Go check it out. Free promo. Um, free promo to uh people that we like. 
But what was I going to say? People that we like, and that I, I think we've maybe had combined like five conversations with ever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, also, you, you get boosts for just being like, if you're someone who's like from a Celtic nation back home, and you're not playing out here, you get you get bumped up. Um, but what was I going to say? There was a someone threw themselves in front of Jose Leap and drew a charge called down the stretch of this game that was like. I don't remember who it was, but I was like, wow, the stone's on you to throw yourself in there and just hope for the best. I really respect it. Um, but yeah, there was a couple of like down the stretch, a couple of like a charge call. And then I think Ben missed a couple of free throws here or there that would have made a difference. And tight game like that, that stuff makes a difference. But also having your player, coach, captain, everything play 39 minutes and 20 seconds and shoot 29% is not ideal when you've got Jose Leap on the floor for 20 seconds more than him who's shooting 8 from 14 like I don't know if that guy should be shooting the ball more than Jose Leap. You say all this now it's going to be a different tune when you're um, player coaching out at, <laughs> out at Euro Cup and you're like look man I, I just had to I thought putting myself out there for 40 minutes just gave the team the best chance alright one, I don't think that's a thing. And two, could you imagine me doing anything but the opposite and just sitting <laughs> myself for 40 minutes? Um, no, it's funny to accuse you of doing so before yeah. it could have ever possibly happened. Yes. Um, um, yeah, I don't have a great deal more on this game, but I thought this is, this at the very least, not Dagamin's greatest possible potential debut. But as you say, they got... One at least one, presumably two guys coming back. We've not seen how it is our all season. And also, if he is coming back after the AOZ tournament, it is absolutely mental that he would be like, hey, I've got this tournament in mid-January. I'm going to sit out until then, and <laughs> I'll see you in a bit. Then um, wondered what the deal was with that. And then, like, I think them winning that game there has maybe pushed them into Copa del Rey spots, and also they're hosting EuroLeague 3 finals. So I wondered, yeah. like, if you're not in a cup or a European competition and you haven't made it over to a team in Europe by a certain point, at what point do they do they be like, nah, you're you're all right, don't worry. No, I just I just find it funny because it would have been absolutely reasonable to be like, hey, show up for the first half of the season. If you have to be a week or so late for whatever reason, that's fine. There is a very obvious point of division at the Christmas break in which you can head back to join the Iranian national team and then we'll see you again after that. And he was just like, hey, how about I'll just see you after that and I'll hang out at home until then. There's not Love many it. not many people with that level of clout and I really hope that that is what's happened. I love how most people you'd be like, I hate that, but with someone like that, you're like, nah, I'd love to. I'd love that to be what he did. Yeah. Having um, the audacity to, well, having the audacity for me to imagine that you could pretend or actually do that is enough for me to respect it. Yes. All right. Uh, talking about people missing from games, um, Grant, uh, Katie Dandenau and um, some other, and, and Garrett Stepchuk, Liss, Grand Canaria, 88, Amphi Vigo. 66. So, first quarter of this game was not available on the stream for some reason. And like I hoped for. Just, yeah, it's great. I love it when that happens. <laughs> That's not true. In a game like this, I want to say it, but my favorite thing in the world, we we're like, oh no, this team didn't stream a blowout. Uh, <laughs> but um, so, first quarter, Grand Canaria looked pretty comfy, apparently. 
Second quarter turned it on. Vigo were making a comeback. Alejos was doing his thing, um, scoring, facilitating. Um, and then kind of did the same thing in the fourth quarter, but first and third quarter, Grand Canaria won fairly comfortably, and that was nearly the entire margin of difference. And it's really funny to like watch the first quarter, not know what the deal is. I mean, not see the first quarter, not know what the deal is. See them kind of lose the second quarter and feel a bit weird about it. And then you see the third quarter and you're like, ah, this is what happened. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I watched the like the first quarter. They obviously played their starters um, of David Hernandez, uh, Alex, uh, Alexi Ramonet, Basti Kolb, Jorge Salazar and Chris Cozarina. And then they started rotating second and fourth quarter and lost. And that's kind of most of what happened for me, except obviously third quarter, Ramon, I started going a bit nuts, hit a couple of threes, and then he's one of those guys that's so quick with the ball in his hands that once he hits a couple of threes, the whole floor kind of opens up for him, especially if the whole floor has four other starters on your team. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, th- I thought it was interesting from the Grand Canaria side that um, without Katie, who's been their leading shot taker for the whole season, we got Shot attempts of 21 for Ramonet, 18 for Salazar. Um, and then we got 11 apiece for Basti, Kolb, and Kazarinia. And I looked at those four numbers of double digit shot attempts and I was like, ah, if you added those numbers together, I think any combination of any two of those would be a believable number of shots that Katie might have taken if she was here for this game, especially the 21 plus 18. I love the idea of 39 shot attempts. But if you're pushing 30, you're in business. But no, that's it. Like they have people that were able to yeah. sort of pick up the slack in terms of shot attempts and make a high clip of them. But I think this is kind of when I saw Cosarina went there, we're Cosarina fans on this podcast. Wait, this is a Cosarina household. Um, and I was kind of wondering what lineups he'd fit into. And I don't know, maybe. Grand Canaria signed certain people and then had other stuff become available and went, oh, cool. Or maybe they just didn't think about where people would fit in a whole lot. But yeah, I kind of wanted to see him play more. And there's stuff like this where you're like, yeah, he played 30 minutes and had 16 on ridiculously efficient shooting for <laughs> plus 19. Like, yeah. um, not that he should play over other people. Like, it's not like this guy instead of that person. But it's like, yeah, you should probably try and find some minutes for a guy who's massive and has helped you win games yeah absolutely um i mean it it's a tough one because he bringing him in you have to take out any of i'm gonna try and do the maths on the fly here but i think you have to take out at least when they've got their full group you have to take out at least ramane or salazar if kozarini still gets his junior point which i don't know if he does um I don't think so, but I don't remember. Yeah, he's a he's a tough um tough addition to Well no, he'd need to if you look they started like mm, no, I forget Basti's a Basti's two five. Two five. Yeah. Which is uh, mad. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh he's just not a natural fit points wise unless you're wanting to put both you have to put two of Basti, Kolb, and um I think either Raul or David Hernandez out there and it's as we've seen with some of the previous games Gran Canaria have been a little bit hesitant to do that because that leaves them a little bit mismatched vulnerable 
defensively, which is not the end of the world, but it also takes away their role options inside when yeah. they've typically got like their one pointer and their midpointer, but who's obviously got a hand effect and is therefore not the easiest dump inside and finish off target. Yeah. Um, and speaking of getting buckets against mismatches, we got a vintage Agostin Alejos game with 35 points on 29 shots. Unfortunately, there weren't many other Vigoans along. Is that a word? I don't know. I hope it is. Um, Probably not. I mean, you oh. can if you say it, it, it can yeah, people know what um, people people obviously knew what you mean through context, but it's yeah, not really not, a thing. Not many other um and for you guys along for the ride on this one, Oscar Knight, the only other person to crack double digits. He had 13. Still no Lewis Edwards for Amviv. Not sure what the deal is there, but we're seeing it that they basically, every lineup they go with now, they have to make the choice of playing fully to points with Yeson Bertencourt in there and being bigger but pretty slow or going under and with a bit more experience with Julio Villas, but obviously getting way smaller. And I don't think either of those units did them any favors in this game, which is tough when that's really the only option you have. Yeah. Um, yeah, you might be in a game if either of your two mids kind of chips in, but then the idea of what they were going to run all year was three mids. And then you've slightly, you've like, you've, you've upped your chance of one of the guys chipping in and helping you get there. Yeah, a little bit, but Oscar Knight's also working his way back in from his pre-Christmas injury, whatever it was, I assume. Um, but yeah, um, there's also a little bit of like he was having twenty a game at one point because people were like, "Who's this guy?" Yeah. And I people might have figured it out. Like I know when we went to play them, we were like, "Hey, this guy's gonna make this guy's gonna have twenty if we don't." Um, and I think we held not, him to six. Um, not so I think, sneaking up on anybody anymore. No, his name is a little further up the list when people are making game plans now, and I think that kind of that'll affect anyone. Like, yeah. Um, on which note, shout out to Noah Mohammed who had eight points on four or five shooting. Some of the disrespect, I mean, is one of the facts of the wheelchair basketball world is that the female lows get tested in more or less any opportunity that you can try and force them to shoot the ball. Um, yes. I don't remember a game recently at least there was obviously the big one where Mariana um sunk Gran Canaria with making a couple of layups there but four from five is enough to um to recompromise the game plan for the opposing team shall we say Gran Canaria seemed to have terrible luck with doubling off of female lows and getting getting burnt by it. it obviously didn't affect the outcome of this game but I'm a fan of anybody who punishes that scheme because I would ultimately like to see it yeah no not been, eradicated he's been great I would like to see it not be so blatantly disrespectful at some point in the future. Yeah, it's a real blanket statement, like leave the female one or people just say like leave the girl or whatever. Um, And it's like, well, no, like force the ball into certain people in certain scenarios with a bit of pressure is the way. Like you give an international professional club basketball player layups (laughs) <laughs> I said this. I, I'd like I smoked one at the weekend, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just a weird thing to me, and it's funny to be like, yeah, whatever. But also, she's been like, I feel like this year, her role has expanded slightly, and so yeah. much. Like, I also like that 
a lot of clubs would be like, well, no, obviously you're going to sit in the block and obviously we'll only throw you the ball if people like triple off you and um, it's a wide open layup. And it's like, no, like she's probably shooting the same percentage on spot ups as your other lows. Like, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like people sort of adding tools slash people realizing that other people have yeah. them. But yeah, cool. Um, Germany? Uh, yeah, Ramane had 27 and I don't think we said a whole lot about it. But yeah, Ramane had 27, which was great because third quarter as I, all i said was i did mention it earlier that he had a couple of threes and then it was like oh cool what are we going to do but if you're not that mobile to begin with having to get out to the three-point line and the guy that can just smoke you with the ball in his hands you're in trouble uh yeah. shout to Ramane. all right yeah germany as you said two games kind of worth talking about first one being cologne 63 landil 76 um Landil obviously missing missing a couple of pieces. Um the Yannick's away, Real Fujimoto's away. Uh that's it, right? Not Yeah, yeah. Um we're getting anyone else. But um, Aussie is still uh, he didn't make the squad for this one, so he's still kicking it with Landil at this point. Sure. Yeah, there was a point um that I kind of you hear this like affecting teams and it affects the rotations, but you don't really see what they like. You don't get the alternative universe where they would have played a certain rotation and it works in a different way. Yeah. But there's a point that in the first quarter, Cologne were like, all right, we're going to come down the floor and we are going to find the biggest points mismatch that we can possibly find, which is probably going to be Bullet Kodal on Katavice's footplate somewhere inside the three-point line. We're going to throw it from there, and we're going to generate from that way. And the whole time, I was like, do they have, like, a mids-heavy lineup? That It's just an interesting thing to me to be like, all right, cool, this is the well you're going to. It no longer exists. And, it like, you might put yourself out in some way that you're not playing, like, that. the two fours, two threes, and Katavice Landa lineup is great. Um, But it's interesting to me that, like, I wonder if they could have, if they had all the guys, could they have like taken it away a bit more? But it didn't end up mattering. Yeah, well, they but... figure that they figure out how to rotate around it eventually. But I just at one point I was like, that is their like it was fairly unimaginative on Cologne's um, yeah. side. It was working, so you don't need to be imaginative if the first thing you come to works. But I just had a, I was watching it. I was like, all Cologne are doing is coming down the floor. I like to the point that. I kind of it clicked with me that that's what was happening when Bullet Codal was having a good first quarter. He had a good run, and then Thomas Ryer was the person who had the mismatch, so they threw it to him instead. And I was like, "Ah, cool. You're not like your game plan is them related, not you related." That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Your game, your game plan is get one of your bigs down the floor and post up. No, no further questions. Uh, um, yes. Also, uh, no Robin Pogonovich for Cologne. Um, yeah. Which kind of I was like that kind of maybe informs a bit of how you're playing but yeah it does um although i did think they've been playing robin as kind of the lone ball handler in some of their lineups since they decided to unleash thomas ryer a bit more uh they plugged mustafa in for this one who had one of his better games he had 15 points on five of nine shooting uh made a couple of threes i made both of his threes made a couple of threes only shot a couple um worth mentioning but yeah um, big one at the end of the fir- at the end of the at the end of the first quarter, if I remember correctly, which makes a difference. Yeah, yeah, like, you're right. 
Um, but yeah, I thought Landell toyed with the mids lineup a little bit. They interestingly they ended up closing the game with a variation of that where they went Mendel, Quinton, Santino, Thomas Klein, Payman Miz, and Rose Holloman. Uh, that was actually the only quarter they lost, but I think that was more a, a momentum malaise thing at that point. Um, I thought they did certainly did miss Rio in um at least the offensive aspect. I don't know if they would have worried about Cologne shooting mismatches enough to do something like trying to go to Rio and uh, Matthias Gunter together. I don't know if Rio is a huge def- mismatch covering upgrade over Mendel. Um, no, he's obviously definitely not. Big, bigger than Mendel, but I don't know how. Like, also, just he's played on the like he's played two man with Katavice on yeah. defense for a handful of years at this time. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I thought. This was, I mean, you're obviously keeping half an eye on Cologne, presumably, because you guys have got to take them on at Eurocup. They've made the tweak of they've got themselves a female low in Masida Chakia. Apologies for butchering um, that name. But they've got a little bit more points, flexibility to play with, not really able to leverage it without Robin. Um or they could have done, but in a, a slightly watered down version, because I imagine they want to stack Robin as the ball handler with as much size as they can get out there. Um, most likely with Raya, Kodal, Robin, Tommy Gray, and Chakir. But yeah, I thought Cologne were generally okay. The score looks pretty respectable. Um, the score looks pretty respectable. I think it wasn't really as close as it looked. No, um, it was it, it was took Landell a little minute to figure it out, and then they did, and were in business. Like, yeah, and you've got go think Cologne won the um won the fourth quarter by nine to bring it to thirteen. So it was it, it was blowout. at or around twenty for the majority of the game. Um, it was pretty much like a mid second quarter blowout. Like we're talking about this as if it's that interesting, but yeah, I was just um. I mean, it is interesting in the fact that Landell were shorthanded the first time they played Cologne and they only beat them by single figures. So you can take this as progress. Uh, Rio and Yannick both missing is obviously no small thing, even for a team that isn't short on talent. So no. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess well done to Landil. Pretty competent showing by Cologne. Is it enough to get you marginally worried? Mm-hmm. Eh. Hey, I'm worried. It. I'm worried about everything all the time. Are you worried the Luke Cardinal's going to shoot over you every chance he gets? Well, he can come sit beside me on the bench if he wants to, because he'd be <laughs> out of bounds. Like if they want to throw it to him on a mismatch on my foot plate, it'll be a turnover. So yeah, but no. To answer cool. your question, yes, I'm worried about everything all the time. Probably like medically worried, but yeah. Um, should we talk about the last game that we're going to talk about in the German let's, league? Let's do it. This was uh. Trier, 50, uh, Rhinos, 60. Very weird thing that, as far as I'm aware, on the stream, the scoreboard was the wrong way around. Yeah. So I, just as the, like, I couldn't remember where to find the stats for this game quickly, and I was trying to check the score, and I knew that it was in um, Trier. So I went on their YouTube page, scanned to the end of the, end of the game, and went, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and then I watched it and was like, oh, yeah, no, right, this is not. This is not what's happening. Yeah. Um, pretty the, 
wild. Another, before we get into details of the game, there was another minor glitch around this that I hope somebody can, who's listening can explain to me. But I can't remember which team it was, but um, generally on the Saturdays where all the games are on, I like try and have all the stats open and flick across. Or like if I've not got stats, I check the team's Instagrams because a lot of the teams do like quarter by quarter updates. And I can't remember which of these two teams it was who had clocked were doing the quarter by quarter splits, but it was like end of first quarter score is 20 to six. End of second quarter score is um, 34, 25, whatever, and so on and so on. And then after the game had finished at 60 to 50, I was like, right, cool. Rhinos get that win. And then there was briefly, I think it's been deleted now because I couldn't find it again. But there was briefly another one that was like, and the final, final score is 76-61. I was like, I promise you it isn't. I I promise you that didn't happen because there aren't five quarters. And that I clicked off it and then I've gone to find it again and it's not there. And like very much there can be an extra period, but not if the fourth one ends (laughs) 60-50. I'm so baffled as to who they wanted to award those additional um, 15 and 11 points to across the... I wish there was an alternate version of this stat sheet for that case of affairs. But there isn't, so we'll just have to make do with plain, boring four quarters of basketball. Um, No offence to the teams involved, I just meant structurally. Structurally, Um, quarters meaning one out of four. Yeah. Um, Disappointing. But yeah, um, what do you think happened that it was a 20 to 6 quarter and then pretty close the rest of the way I the best explanation I have is that I don't have the splits in front of me per player but there was a lot of taking Dirk out of the game early doors and he gave up a lot of you know if he was getting like I think pre-anticipating the jumps or the double teams or whatever and dishing off early. And there was a, I don't think of his 25 shot attempts he got up, I would guess probably five or less in the first quarter from what I remember of the stream. I might be wrong. I might think of a different portion of the game, but it certainly felt like he came out looking to leverage the pressure they were putting on him and get everyone else open and Tria didn't capitalize. And we talked about Tria pre-Christmas um, and said Corey Rossi had got a lot more selective with his shoot shot attempts or like shot profile, which he has. Um, but that's not but do you think problem. someone who do you think I don't mean sorry I mean like do you think if you play with a guy like Dirk Passawan, do you think you have the the luxury of shot selection, or do they? Through it to you, and you have to like. Um, you know, like no, I don't, I, think... I don't get shot selection. I get like, <laughs> oh, this landed on my head. Um, no, I think doing more but... for them than, like, it is more for them than I do for us, obviously. But I'm just yeah. like, I don't know if, uh, you know, if someone took some weird shots or some good ones, I don't know if you'd get credit or criti- no, or criticism either way. I get your point, but I think when somebody's getting harassed to the point where they need to get the ball out of their hands, your shot selection is do I come up to the free throw line to catch this and free them up? Or do I try and cut for a layup and hope they hit me? Um, So Rossi's shooting way less from outside than he ever has been previously, but he was zero from seven this game. And yeah, I think it got to a point. It felt like for the remaining three quarters, 
Dirk kind of felt like it was on him and it was like, right, I'll just get shots up when I get three inches of space here. And he did so relatively successfully. He had 25 points. Um, Marika Miller had 15, a decent chunk of those coming on free throws. But yeah, I th- it's a weird one because I think once Passavan decided he was going to assert himself fully, it was relatively even from that point onwards. But yeah. I also think if he'd come out firing from minute one, Vespartan would have just ramped it up and ramped it up and it would have balanced itself out over those 40 minutes. But yeah. Yeah, that was my that was my take on it at least. Um offensively just... sorry, offensively it's weird because you're looking at these stats and it says Nico Miller was four from seven. And I feel like in the first quarter alone, he was four from seven just on offside <laughs> like catch and shoots. They'd run like power game, Mikey in the middle, skip over to like Jim with a good screen for Nico and he'd make them. And it's like I don't know. I don't no. weird like I, I I feel like he had at least four makes in the first quarter and then like then at that point, teams adjust and they start giving up shots from the middle instead of shots from the weak side. And Mikey goes, what, four from 16? I think that makes a big difference. Bespartan like do get... do that, though. They, of all the teams we talk about, they are probably one of the best at running the option until it's well and truly exhausted. Oh, yeah. I think you see a lot of their um, a lot of their role players, if you had put Nico in that category offensively, a lot of their kind of... Uh, supplementary guys score in little runs. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I mean, I think really I would say the only person who scores kind of consistently end to end the game is Juice because they start a lot of the offenses with her. Yeah, um, she's so if she's able to create for herself, then the mismatches are there, obviously. But yeah, um, I mean, even Moji had 11 and it felt like all of his, he played 23 minutes, but it felt like all his points came in a, a blaze of sheer fury and flying up and down um probably trying to prove to the iranian national team that he should be out in in thailand currently but i don't know well no he he declared for the german national team so he probably shouldn't (laughs) well he's trying to show them what they're missing out on then but um yeah no i thought pretty consistent effort from Wiesbaden. i 60 feels a little bit low to me um i think triera improved defensively from previous years but I would like to see more than 60 points from um, Wiesbaden in general if they're they're wanting to cement themselves a little bit more because with Hanover having lost a piece and being slightly more limited on looks, that third spot behind the Germans' two top two teams is, is there for the taking now more so than it maybe has been in the last couple of years. So I would hope... Wiesbaden are gonna are gonna ramp it up as much as they possibly can. Obviously, you can't take a huge amount from one game, but that would I would have liked to have seen a real statement win, yeah. which it felt like we were on the way to when we had a twenty to six first quarter, but it didn't really materialize the rest of the way. No. All right. Um, no shall, shall we talk about? The AOZ. I've said AOZ and AOZ since we hit record, so I'm just going to say the Asia Oceana Zonal Qualifying Tournament because that's yes. way snappier and I can't. Uh, yes. Maybe if we were North American continental, we could say AOZ and that sounds a little cooler. Um, what I, um, yeah, interesting. So, however the groups work, however the tournament works, 
Japan, Iran, and Australia have all already all played each other. And well, they're in the quarterfinals. Australia have beaten them both, and therefore, do we just drop the curtain on the tournament and go, yeah, hey, congrats? Probably not, because I want to see them play a game. But so, if my memory serves me, Australia have beaten both for for like for the, for the purpose of how the tournament's going to end up. I'm not going to talk about the teams lower down as much. Korea are fourth. And there's a guy who played for the Korean national team who looks like uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And that's always great for me. Because um, I refer to him as Korean Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Sometimes people look at me like I've got two heads and they probably should. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so the purposes of this, Australia have beaten Iran and Japan. Iran beat Japan. Yeah. So there's your one, two, three in some order. Um does mean Australia and Japan will play again in a semi-final, probably, based on how I believe tournaments should or do work. Yeah, I think um, you're, you're right on that one. Um, and yeah, that is... It's interesting to watch Australia kind of scrap their way through the Japanese mm -hmm. press. And also, Tristan Knowles coming back to just play 35 minutes a game is great. And Brad, oh, Ness, Brad Ness coaching them and all of their bigs playing really well now is great and probably not a coincidence maybe yeah. it is i don't know but I, I don't know if you notice this but we've we've interviewed the two of them and i don't think anyone in the wheelchair basketball world has noticed that um when they shaved tom McHugh's head off head off hair off, off. jesus well, um, oh um, hey hey yeah no hazing's fine we're just gonna stop it um when hanover won the euro cup and they had the deal that they could shave his hair they seem to have transplanted it onto Brad Ness and just kind of blended it in because Brad Ness is stalking around on the sidelines and when he's letting his hair loose, that dude has got luscious locks going on right now, which I don't remember him having when we interviewed him. But It's wild. It's like the weirdest thing that you feel like you couldn't do while you were still playing. Like yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like people who, I don't know, they retire and then they're like, eh, I might give running yes. a business ago where i might like get into recreational drug use or i might drink a little more you know i'll let the diet slip a little bit but just being like i'm not going to shave my head for a year is great um, I, I did the same thing man. once i finished playing i was like i'm just gonna let my hair out and it was universally panned by everybody in my life and then i look at brad ness as he's coached i'm like man that's what i wanted um running but, an italian restaurant and growing your hair out like <laughs> you're like that guy's got my life um <laughs> Anyway, we're we're massively off topic here. I no, we're not. We're on I topic. Think, um, this is what the people are here for. It isn't. I'm sorry. You've so told us in a poll that you're not here for this. <laughs> We've hit record right as the pool stage ended up. So pool A has six teams, and the rankings being Australia, Iran, Japan, Korea. They'll go through the quarters. China in fifth, and Thailand in sixth. Couldn't tell you a thing about either of them. Interesting so, that China don't have a strong men's wheelchair basketball team considering the recent growth of the strength of their women's team. I'm surprised that it's the program it's, isn't growing sort of equal. I have no idea. I have no idea what I'm talking about, but like, yeah. I, I would say um, having, having a bit of inside intel into how the various um, Chinese Olympic and Paralympic committees and stuff work, I would say they identified the women's standings as easier to... To win um, a medal. Easier to get, you know, up into the 
the podium spots in a shorter period of time. So I think the men's team will either happen at some point following that if they think they've got proof of, you know, successful concept on the women's side, or they'll look at the men's field and be like, this is realistically too tough and we're not going to put our time and resources into it. Um, so yeah, Pool A, Australia, points difference across five games plus 86. Iran with four wins and one loss plus 85. Japan plus 73. All the way down to Korea who are minus 21 in fourth place. Skip over to Pool B, which only has five teams. Afghanistan plus 111. I've not watched a second of Af- Afghanistan because I'll, I might watch them play Korea because I think that might be interesting. But outside of that, they've beaten Saudi Arabia, who are second place in Pool B and are only plus 22. So we've got a very top-heavy Pool B, and I think even that team at the top of Pool B might not crack the top four in Pool A. So whoever was organizing this tournament, I don't know what the hell is going on. But Whoever was organizing this tournament blew it. No, um, this might just be... Like the fact that the groups can be completely random also really sets in the fact that they can also just end up like if you, like every shuffle of a deck of cards is random, you might actually shuffle them in order. Yeah, I once hit um once hit shuffle on playing an album and it played the entire album from start to finish, and that was one of the best days of my life. <laughs> right, it, it's a low a low bar. It's not so great that I didn't just think to put play the album from start to finish without shuffle, but. You know, the novelty. Um, but yeah, I thought I would have said Iran are better than Australia based on recent events. And I think I might stick by that long term. But Iran gave Japan a decent seeing to for three quarters. And then Japan rolled out the press lineup. To try that is to my one big question. Like, did you not did you not think that a team that presses against a team that plays majority three big two ones most of the time. Not immobile, but do you not think that's Japan's best shot? And I wonder if part of it was leaving that in the back pocket for when they see each other again, if they see each other again. Like I've been at international tournaments and I've played teams that you're going to see later on in the tournament and you kind of play them pretty straight up. But yeah, I, I guess I guess these teams have less to lose in the pool stage, right? Because I don't think they're worried about playing anybody in in a particular crossover. Um, no, yeah. I'll let, uh, yeah, unless you're worried that Korea are going to sneak one on you. But I, I um, so, like, but yeah, I thought I, I thought it was strange for Japan to keep that as long as they did and then ultimately break it out. But I also thought that gave... You could see that gave Australia, if they weren't going to do it already, which there's a decent chance they might have done, that certainly gave them a trail of breadcrumbs to the point where as soon as the game tipped against Iran, Australia were just hammering foot plates and pushing them backwards and backwards and backwards. Um, Australia playing very, like, hard and scrappy, um, which is their path to, like, blowing through a Japanese press or matching up with the sort of the way Iran play. Like, it's good to see them just, like, beating people up again. It feels... I'd I'd say it's good to see it. Like no one wants, no one wants to get beaten up by it. But they they feel scrappy now. There's two. um, For me, the Australia round game is a nine point Australia win. I said to both you, which was really five, and then free throws. Right, like it was like a bill layup, and then free throws. 
I said to both you and Mendel after we'd watched the Australia-Japan game, which I think finished 49-48. Oh, hell yeah. Give I us said, nothing. You, we love that. I said to you guys, I don't think I saw either Australia or Japan cracking 70 points against a legit team. And Australia landed on 69 in this game against Iran. So my statement holds true, even though I thought it was a very impressive display. And... But that was the, the last qualifiers that they had was also in Thailand and games also went to under 50 and apparently yeah. it felt like playing basketball in a sauna. So I yeah. wonder, is it just conditions? It's also yeah. play style like both these, like you look at Japan and um, Australia, a lot of it's like hard-nosed, defensive focused and like pretty scrappy on both ends of the floor. And then like, I, yeah, I, not, I not stacked with like, there's like a couple of shooters on each team, but they're not blowing teams out of the water offensively. So maybe it's, it's half that and half that they're playing in a sauna, I would say. So if these are the top three teams that we're taking as, you know, the realistic um, chances to qualify for the Paralympics, I've got my takes from the Australia around game were, excuse me, um, Australia held the combination of Hadi Azar and Mortez Abidi to three of 20 shooting. Jeez. And that's including Abidi taking three shots, which is unheard of because if there's one thing you can rely on that guy to do, it's truck up and down, catch the ball with one hand and get a shot away cleanly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah... Iran was shooting tough shots even by their standards over the Australian defense. And then the real um, bright light, if you're Australia, who we are hoping to get Brad Ness back on here at some point. So I look forward to talking about this. But the element of the young guys coming through in both Tom McHugh and Ethan Laird, Laird. who had 20 against Iran. Um, 20 against Iran and also is just like playing 40 minutes, like settling in and looking looking like he's not new. That guy is flying up and down. Um, so yeah, I am very much looking forward to hearing what Brad Ness might have to say about this team because this feels for the first time in a little while like Australia, who've got some fresh blood that isn't just young guys coming along for the experience. Like it's felt like a while, it's really been since Tom O'Neill Thorne's early days, which is nearly 10 years ago, that mm-hmm. it's felt like they've got some youngsters meaningfully contributing. And Tom McHugh had, I think, 14 points against around. They're easily the best three big team in the world at the moment. And he's coming in there. And, you know, we've talked about him being fearless in various German league games before. And this was as fearless as Tom McHugh has ever been, even by his own standards. Yeah. Have I feel you... like their bigs, have, their bigs have like come out swinging. Like Bill's had a great tournament so far. And like he had a couple of, I think one of the shots to more or less ice the Iran game was like a Bill contested 18 footer from just behind the three free throw line. You're like, oh right, yeah. Like that was him su- subtly saying to Hadizar hey, not Hadizar, sorry, to Sayari, hey, I can make a contested fadeaway 18 footer as well, you know? Yeah, just ridiculous. Um do you have anything on either Iran or Japan that's worth consultation? Ah, Japan's a weird one. I've spoken about it, and I feel like they kind of have set rotations where they set they play these guys a certain. Like I don't think their starters are the best lineup. Uh, I think they should press more. And I feel like sometimes they're like, "Well, it's the sixth minute of the second quarter. This is the sub we make," <laughs> and it's like, 
even have some lineups and I know like some of their better players are older guys now, but like they have like a press lineup that they play someone in that you could just easily plug in a guy that is a better offensive player while being big. But like there are times where it's like, okay, if you're going to play four or five, we'll make something up. We're going to play four or five, three, five, two, 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 like whatever it is. You're like, Hey, you know, you've got a better three, five on the bench or you've got a better four or five. Like, and I, I understand wanting to keep people fresh ish, but I'd be interested to see if you get to like, Tomorrow, like, it's officially, it's go time, or the day after, whenever, I don't know if they have a break now, but, like, you just, like, does Rio play 35 minutes? Um, yeah, or is... does Hero play 35 minutes or whatever, rather than, oh, well, no, we have to get everyone in and out. You're like, mm, mm. This I just, I don't, I don't like set rotations, unless you're playing 82 games in nine months, like the NBA are, like, people can, unless they're hurt, people can play 40 minutes, like yeah exactly Probably. maybe old guys can't but i don't know i think the th- the thing i've found difficult to grasp with this team is they've got the majority of the same um mainstays like obviously um rio hero keokita um chokai a couple of guys have been around for a little while um i think they've got a a guy who's playing a bit more this time is Mariyama, who is their number five. He's another double amp 2.5. He's not been playing as much recently. And because the Japanese guys so rarely come over to Europe and like, I feel like most of the European players come over at a a youngish age, right? And then we get to see them in the early days. Then we see them back with their national team. I see these Japanese players that I've not seen a whole lot of and then I'm like oh this young guy looks promising and it's like oh Mariama's 27 um this guy is seasoned for all intents and purposes or probably as seasoned as he's gonna be and Chokai I find crazy to look at is still I think the second or third youngest guy on this team um he's also third in the tournament in rebounds which is a strange for a that... size two and a half but um no he's sitting massive now is the yeah. thing um and he carried them their game against Iran. He carried them for a stretch of that hitting like extended elbow bank shots, which doesn't seem like a sustainable source of offense at all. But he's able to carry them for stretches. It just it never feels like they've got all the pieces they need out there. And I think you're right. The rotations always feel like they're trying to stay a step ahead in a game that only really they are playing. I appreciate there's two teams playing basketball, but I mean like a a long view chess match, you know, coaching chess match. Um, it feels like they're trying to anticipate stuff that may or may not happen. And it's like, hey, just it's fine to be a, the tiniest bit reactionary sometimes if it means you're not, you know, fighting at ghosts that may or may not be popping out of you. Um, yeah, it's just like, I don't want to do it right now, but like you could probably sit down and write, okay, what do I think the best? Japan five is and there's maybe like a 10% chance that it's not played all tournament <laughs> which is strange to me yeah, yeah. and I know there's balance issues and there's this that and the other and they play quick enough and they move enough and they rotate well enough that they kind of I don't know they play pretty hard all the time and maybe you can't just put guys in there for 40 but like I don't know there's times that it's like okay you're playing Australia and you're this game's gonna go to 50 like can you you have a guy on the bench that could probably give you 20 and also play the defense you want them to. Um, I don't know. 
it's they know everyone here knows more than I do, but no, it's um, it always feels to me like there's a plan that I have not been well, obviously haven't been made aware of because I'm not part of their team. Imagine always... if they did, they just emailed you, but it was in Japanese, so you'd be like, "All right, cool." Um, like, what do you? It always feels like to me that there's a long term planet place that i can't guess what it is and the longer i've felt like that about the team the more i'm inclined to believe that maybe there just isn't one and they just do things in a way that i you know we can't hope to understand from the outside absolutely everything Um, came together for them and they want to pile a big silver medal so like there there is a there is a shot there but i also wonder if hero and rio played 35 minutes in that game i don't remember um but yeah, I don't know. Also, I don't know how much you want to win this, but I also don't wonder how much of it is like get qualified with rotating and then we'll get into like last two games is the tournament, really. Last um, thing to look out for that I caught in the Iran-Japan game. Um, Iran now officially have, I think they, they went through the previous world championships with primarily two lineups, which is their three big... Um, and then Mansouri and Mohammed Nezad as their one-pointer. Oh, their one-pointer is so solid. I meant to bring this yeah, up. Yeah, he's, he's he been might great. Be, if, if there was a wheelchair basketball most improved player, it would go to one of the two Iranian lows over the last calendar year, I think. But um, they their second lineup they played was one of their fours. So Sayari or Hadiazar, uh, Abedi, Amireza of Baidalid, and then I can't remember slash pronounce the other guy's name, but the double amp in the yellow chair who plays for Galatasaray. Yeah, um, I forget his name. He plays number 69 for Galatasaray, which yeah. always makes me chuckle because you're like, hey man, you know what you're doing here. <laughs> so they played that, which is <laughs> so dumb. Sorry. Uh, mids lineup with Nezad out there, and now they've gone all the way into a mids lineup, which is all four threes, so it's those three guys I mentioned, plus another guy who's, you'll have to forgive me for not remembering his name, plus Mansouri as a two. Um, They ran that against Japan for a little bit to try and get through the press. I don't know if that was really the ideal use of it, but... Yeah, I wonder, do you like, if you're a team that normally plays three bigs, two ones, are you better finding a plan B to get out of the press, or are you better working on your plan A? Yeah, exactly. I felt like they should. There was times that the being pressed by Japan, I felt like they should have just stuck with their um their three big or their their second lineup. But I think um yeah, they've got three lineups, man. And we've seen as these tournaments. Oh, uh, forgive me. The other three pointer I was mentioning. His name is Mozen Tamadash. He plays for Fenerbahce, and the guy whose name we couldn't remember in the first place. God help me. Is Madi Abis Abasis Toye. I'll go with that. Um, I love just standing on the sideline and like watching you maybe get these right, maybe get these wrong. But yeah, no, maybe about <laughs> that one is wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I think they we've seen these tournaments and how they go, man. And generally, teams need three lineups um, to break out. If not in a an AOZ level of tournament, then certainly as we get to the world stage. And for me, that means one step closer to real legitimacy for the team that just won bronze and yeah watch out man also fun throw in to end on here how old is Sayari I have no idea he's younger than younger than me yep my guess 26 
Ah, I was going to say 26. That is younger than me, but yeah. I'm... I would, I would. Although younger than me, obviously, that means less and less as the days pass. Yeah, man. I'm officially, as we as we record this as our first episode of 2024, I'm officially going to turn 30 later on this year, which is a, a disgusting thought. Yeah, I'm crawling towards 29 in a couple of weeks, and it's like when someone else is turning a certain um, age, I, I'm like very quick to be like, ah, oh, you're only as young as you feel, which never makes me feel any better because I feel terrible all the time. But yeah, you're only as old as you feel, and you know age is just a number, and sure, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just like, ah. Uh, Time is fleeting, and um, I have more yesterdays than tomorrows. Uh, but I'm 29. She's <laughs> <laughs> just mental. But yeah. Anyway, Iran. Are, are we Iran. done here? Before I keep going down that path. <laughs> yeah. Just as we finish, Iran might be the world leaders in um, players who look much older than their listed ages. Sayari, 26. Abedi, have a guess. 32. <laughs> Bang on 32. I would. Oh, I'm great at this. And is um, no I idea. He, I think he looks younger than he is. He's thirty-one. Um, he looks pretty young. I would. I would have thought. And yeah, the the guy from Galatasaray that you just mentioned, whose name I won't butcher a second time. How old would you say he is? I have no idea. Twenty-one. I don't know if I've seen that guy's face ever. Yeah. So like, I I would have no idea. But yeah, wow. That guy, that guy. I think if I looked slightly more Iranian, I could have tried to convince people he was my dad. That guy must have had a tough go of it really funny for like anyone listening to this who knows what your dad looks like but also <laughs> that's a like iran are gonna like iran are already making dramatic improvements year on year and they've still got a lot in front of them which is interesting but yeah yep. like it's kind of like it's not going to be like you know in turkey we're climbing up to the point that they want a europeans but then oscar was 40 so yeah there's no um this is not no, that there's no steep decline coming in for sure not. But yeah, there might be a steep decline coming in this podcast. Uh, so yeah, stick with us in 2024 and see if we are wrong. Peace. Thanks for listening, guys. This was That was a horrible way to end it. Um, <laughs> take it easy. Bye.